So we're starting this, uh, we started this brand new series last week called The Whole You. And uh, it's basically a series in, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, the book of Ephesians was written by a man called the Apostle Paul, who uh, wrote a letter to a church in a place called Ephesus. And Ephesus was the big New York of the day. It was uh, where all the commerce happened. It was a huge city. There was actually, back in the day, and this is like almost 2,000 years ago, there was like a hundred, about a between 150 and 250,000 people who lived in the city. And for those times, that was a lot of people in a city. And uh, they had everything from ports to the biggest library in, uh, in, in, a, um, in Asia Minor, which is like modern-day Turkey. Uh, they, uh, they had a huge, big Colosseum. And where they actually tried to kill the Apostle Paul in it, you know. And, uh, but they also had like, uh, 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 remember like the Colosseums in like the film Gladiator? They had one of those big ones there uh, in Ephesus. This was a big city. And, uh, and Paul wrote this letter to uh, just a few people who were in this city who had found faith through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and this church just started to grow and grow and grow and grow. And, but these were the foundations of what this church grew up. And uh, last week we discovered that the Apostle Paul wrote to these Ephesians and he said that you have a plan. There is a plan for your life that God has created for you. And this plan was created before the world was ever even formed. So before you were even a thought or a twinkle in your father's eye, God had a plan for your life. Not just that, but God's plan meant that you would get a great inheritance. Now I'm not talking about multi-million dollar homes, you know, and, uh, and lots of cash in your wallet. I'm talking about an inheritance of God. An inheritance of God is, is a life that is full of peace, that is full of joy, that is full of hope. And, uh, and that plan results in inheritance. Also, we discovered that that plan cannot be bought. But that plan is a gift that God gives to you. You can't work your way to being in that plan. It's a gift that God gives to you. And we also discovered that God, when he created you, he created a masterpiece. He didn't create just an average human being. He created someone who was special, who was unique, who was designed perfectly for the plan that God has for him. Well, today we're going to carry on a little bit. And this whole series of The Whole You is all about identifying who we are and discovering our purpose in life. And so we've discovered that we have a plan. But before we can go any further, we've got to also discover what our place is as well. Has anybody ever said to you, stay in your place, boy? Or you've said that to someone, know your place. I remember when we were growing up, we, uh, my dad was a pastor and we had lots of missionaries coming in at the home. And uh, we, uh, we would have some good missionaries who were really nice. They would come and bring us gifts because, you know, and that's why they were nice. And, uh, but they would talk to us and they would see how we were doing as kids. But then you had the other ones who would come in and for some reason they just did not like kids at all. And, uh, and, and we'd sit around the dinner table and my parents would be talking. And if you ever met like my brother and my sister, they're the most talkative people in the world. And uh, so I would kind of just sit there and let them talk. But whenever I would like open my mouth and say something, the good missionaries would listen and hear. The bad missionaries would just like totally ignore me. Because their view was that children should be seen and not heard. And uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of people back in England in the 1980s who believed that. I mean, kids should be seen and not heard. And so we had to know our place. 
that we were to be there at the dinner table, we were to eat, and we had to eat everything off our plate, even cabbage and Brussels sprouts, and Brussels sprouts, ugh, I hate them, and, but we had to eat them, but we could not say anything, especially when some of those missionaries were around, because we were put in our place. And so many of us, we know our place. Well, we should know our place. Maybe in your work, you know, in your place of employment, you know your place. You know what you can say to your boss and what you can't say to your boss. You know that there are decisions that you can make and there are decisions that you can't make because you know your place. You may know your place, you know, in, 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 uh, in, in your group of friends. You know there are some things that you can say to some friends and it would be fine, but if you said it to other friends... They would freak out and, you know, your friendship would just be ending because you know your place. Well, you also have a place with God as well. And this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what your place in God is. Because until we know our place, we do not know how, we sh- how our plan should work and what we can and we can't do. And so, you know, in the whole realm of the universe... We have a place. And unless we know that place, we'll know what we can do and what we're restricted from. So the first part of our place this morning is this. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. And this is it. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. The first thing that we see this morning here is that we have been adopted into God's family. So the first thing is, our place is part of the family. How many of you, when you got married, or you, know, you may have been in a long-term relationship with someone, and the in-laws came to you and they said, welcome to the family. And uh, there's a whole difference between dating someone and being married to someone. When you're dating someone, you're just like a good friend. You're a good friend, close friend of the family. You know, they respect you. You know, the dad may whisper in the guy's ear and say, don't touch my daughter. And, uh, but as soon as you get married, it shifts. You shift from becoming a good friend, a close friend of the family, to becoming part of the family. And there's a whole lot of different expectations and different privileges of being part of the family. And... Think, think about you. Think about your relationship maybe with your kids or with your spouse or with your parents. It is probably totally different than what it is with somebody else. There are things that you know you can, you can and can't say to your family that you probably wouldn't be able to do with, with your friends. Because you know your place. You're part of the family. And God looked at every one of us. And there was a time that we were distant from God. God was here We were right over here. We were not part of his family at all. But God looked at us and he saw something unique and incredible about us. And he decided, I am going to adopt you into my family. One of the girls that we have here at the church, uh, she was uh, singing this morning, Erin. Erin is originally from uh, South Korea. I think it was Seoul, South Korea. And uh, Erin, when she was a baby, got adopted. And uh, her parents, Walt and Sharon, great people. And they decided that they were going to adopt uh, a Korean girl. 
And so they went through all the, all the paperwork, they paid all, all, all the money, and they flew out to Korea, and uh, they met Erin for the first time when she was a little baby, and then they brought her to the United States. And at the moment, as soon as they, they took her on the plane, and they took her in her arms, Erin went from being just a baby that they were thinking about adopting to becoming part of the family. And Erin has a sister, her sister is Rachel, and Rachel is somebody who is, uh, uh, her biological parents are Walt and Sharon. But because Erin has been adopted into the Pardue family, she, there is no difference between Erin and Rachel, because they are both part of the family, they are both children of Walt and Sharon. And for you this morning, God has adopted you into his family. And just because there was one time when you were maybe distant from God, it does not make you any different to anybody else. You are part of the family. Well, let's see what else Paul said. Paul said in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, verse 11 to 22. It's a little long, so uh, just bear with me just a moment while I read this. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called on circumcised heathens by the Jews. You were prou- uh, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it f- affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of God, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, But now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility and separated us. He did this by ending the system of of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. And then in verse 19, it says this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Paul uses the word here that you are now citizens of the kingdom of God. You are no longer outsiders, but now you are insiders. Let me quickly explain what that means. Many, many years ago, there was a man called Abraham. I'm sure you probably all heard of Abraham. And if you were in Sunday school, there was some silly little song with some hand motions that we used to sing. All about Abraham. Abraham found favor in the sight of God. Meaning that he did good things in the sight of God. And so what God said to Abraham, he said, I am going to bless you, Abraham, for all of your life. Everything that you do, I'm going to bless you. In fact, I'm going to give you a promise that not only you, but all your descendants, all the generations, all the offspring after you will be blessed as well. And so what happened is Abraham was blessed. And his kids were blessed. And then his kids' kids were blessed. And suddenly, they went from being this family of two to three. Then they suddenly just like, like multiplied like rabbits. And uh, they became this huge nation. And that was the nation originally called Israel. 
And so the Jews were part of this family. They were part of this promise of God. And God, because of what Abraham had done, he gave special favor upon the Jews. Everybody else who wasn't a Jew or who weren't part of the bloodline of Abraham were called Gentiles. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And Gentiles were not allowed to be part or partake in the things that the Jews did. They did not have special favor with God. And the Jews looked down on the Gentiles of people who were outsiders. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. And then he rose again. And through that, he became a sacrifice for our sins. And through Jesus Christ, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, then were invited into the family of God. They were adopted into the family of God. So now whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter. You're all still part of the family of God. And there was one point that you were an outsider. But through Jesus Christ, you've been made an insider. There's nothing worse in this life than being an outsider. I don't know about you, but I sometimes had friends at school who had their own little cliques. And they were friends, but you couldn't get too close to them because you were an outsider. You weren't an insider. Sometimes, whether in our workplaces or in our families or you know, with our, 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 our circle of influence or our circle of friends, we can either be an insider or we can be an outsider. And there's nothing worse than being an outsider. You feel left out. You feel, you, you feel lonely. You feel that there's something that's lacking in you. You don't feel good enough. Well, God has said to you, there was one time that you were an outsider, but now, because of what Christ has done, you are an insider. You are now part of the family, and your place is part of the family. You know, I was uh, born in the UK. I was raised in the UK. And uh, at the age of 25, I moved to the United States. I'm a British citizen, and uh, I enjoyed all the things of being a British citizen. The day I moved to the United States was the day I realized what being an outsider really was. We moved to Missouri, and they speak a little different to me in Missouri. And you guys speak different to me, but these speak really, really different. And some of the people that we met, I really couldn't understand. I didn't get them, and I'll be honest, they really didn't get me either. And I kind of felt like an outsider. And then it came to election time, and they would all go off and vote, but I wasn't allowed to vote. Then it came hunting season, and they were all allowed to go and get their guns, but because I wasn't a citizen or I wasn't even a permanent resident at the time, I wasn't allowed to even go hunting and get a gun because... You know, if you're not, if, if you're just here on a work visa, and I was here on a work visa you, at the time, you, 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 you can't go hunting. So I was kind of an outsider in this little hunting place. And uh, then the day came. The day came when I got my little card through the mail that was white but called green. And my little green card. And I didn't become a citizen that day. I've still got like a year and a half left of being on this card before I can become a citizen. But... Suddenly, I got all the rights of becoming an American, except for being able to vote. I was allowed to have the gun, and that was about it. But uh, not like I've got one. So, but, but there was a whole difference. I was once an outsider, and now I'm an insider. 
Once I could only work at one place of employment. And if I left that place of employment, I had to leave the country because of my work visa. But now I have the privilege, I can work wherever I want. I can go wherever I want. I have the freedom of being an insider. And that's exactly how you are with God. Once you were an outsider and now you are an insider. But not only that, not only are you part of the family and now you're on the inside, you also have special privileges. And these are the special privileges found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8 to 13. It says, well, let me just uh, read verse 12 because our time's going this morning. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Years ago, the uh, kings and queens ruled all these different nations. And, uh, and, and the king was sovereign. He had the final word. And if anybody wanted to go and speak to the king, then they had to make an appointment. They had to go through the king's aides. And then they weren't always granted permission to go and speak to the king. Now, if they just burst into the king's uh, throne room where he was and speak to him, then he would probably say, off with your head. And he could go and do whatever he wanted because he was sovereign. We kind of had a similar sort of thing here in the United States. Is If you want to go down to Washington, D.C. and uh, speak to uh, uh, President Obama and go up to the White House and uh, you've got to get past the security and the snipers on the roof first. But if you get into the White House then, uh, and, and go and, speak and, and want to speak to him, he's not going to grant you his presence. He's not going to cut your head off like the kings, but he's still not going to grant you his presence. But Paul told the Ephesians, he said, there is a God, and this is the God of the universe, and this is the God that loves you and loves me. And because you are part of the family, you now have special privileges. You don't need to make an appointment to go and see God. You don't need to make an appointment to speak to God. You don't need to go through somebody else to meet God. You can meet God right where you're at. And whenever you want to speak to God, God will have your full attention. You know, back when Moses was around, there was something called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a tent and, uh, uh, where they basically kind of had church. It was their temple. And there was three sections of this tent. There was the outer court, there was the inner court, and there was a place called the Holies of Holies. In the outer court, everybody was allowed to gather and be around. It would be like, you know, coming on a Sunday morning and, you know, and, and, and just having service and having church service. But then there was a place called the, the, the inner court. And the inner court was the place only the priests could go. Only if you were a priest. Anybody else were, was not allowed to enter this place. Only the priests. But then there was a place called the Holies of Holies. And this was the place that once a year only one person could go into. And it was covered with a curtain. And the person who could go into it was the high priest. And the high priest would go in on one day a year. And this was called the Day of Atonement. And what they would do, they would take a lamb. They would kill the lamb. They would take the blood from the lamb. And the priest would go into the holies of holies. And he would sprinkle the blood, offering a sacrifice unto God. And he wore like a bell around his ankle. And attached to the bell was there was a rope. And the people outside in the inner court, they would hear and they would listen. 
And they would listen to see if God was accepting their sacrifice or not. They couldn't have an appointment with God themselves, but the high priest could for them. And if the bell rang, they knew that God was happy with the sacrifice. If the bell stopped, they knew that the high priest had stopped it. And they were time to pull him out. I'm like, who wants to be a high priest, right? You know what I mean? One day a year, there's a chance that God could kill you or not. But what would happen is God would accept the sacrifice. And then every year after that, he would do it again and again and again and again. But when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came so that he would be the high priest and he would make a sacrifice once and for all. And this sacrifice meant that God was now accessible to all of us. No longer we had to wait for the high priest to go into the holies of holies. Now we could come straight to God and offer our prayer unto God, offer our praise unto God, offer our confession unto God, offer our problems unto God. Offer our our anxieties unto God. Offer our hurts unto God. Because what happened, the day that Jesus Christ died was the day that every one of us became something called a priest. And this is what Peter, Peter was a Jew. And this is what he says in Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people. And he's talking to the average people in in the church. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There was a moment when Jesus Christ died. And what that meant was that you suddenly became part of the family. And when you became part of the family... You suddenly got special privileges. And this was that you can come straight to God with any of your needs. You do not have to wait to go through anybody else. But you can come straight to God. And he is accessible to you and to me. Isn't that wonderful that the God of this universe, the one who put the stars into space, is not too busy for you and and for me. When you have hurts, when you have problems, when you have situations in your life, God is accessible for you to go and talk to. He's not like a king that you have to make an appointment. He's not going to be angry if you burst into his room. But he's going to say, just like a dad with a child. He'll say, come child, come and sit on my knee. You have my full attention. And when you go before God, you have his full attention. You have a special privilege. And then finally this morning. Not just a reason why God adopted us. There's not just a reason. There's, there's not just any reason why God adopted us. There's not just any reason why we have special privileges. God has a purpose and a reason why you have been adopted. He did not adopt you. He did not call you. He did not die for you. Just so you could be on this earth for 80 whatever years. Just to live this life. Have a good time. Maybe making a retirement. Play some golf. Have some kids. And then just die and be forgotten about. God created you for a purpose. And and the purpose was this. So that you would make a difference in the lives of the people that you meet every day. That you would be a difference maker. And when God made you, he made somebody who was great. Last week we discussed that when he made you, he made you as a masterpiece. An outstanding piece of work that was designed for a plan. 
And that masterpiece isn't just to be sat on a shelf so that people can look at it and think, oh, what a wonderful person you are. That masterpiece was created so that you would become somebody who would make a difference. You would become somebody who one day would be referred to as great. God desires that your life matters. He has big plans for you. This is what he says. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 14 to 20. He says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to my Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete in the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. And listen to this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. It says there that through his mighty power, God's mighty power, he is able to do more through you than you could ever imagine or think. You may be here this morning, you may think, well, I'm pretty ordinary, I'm pretty average. You know, I may be good at a few things, I may, you know, I'm not so good at this. But when God created you, he created someone who has the potential to be somebody great. The potential to, to be somebody who God would work through you in ways you could not even imagine. And the problem is, for most of us, the reason God doesn't work through us is because we don't let God live in us. You see, God can never work through you until God is living in you. And for us this morning, if we want to be somebody who God uses so much, if we want to be great, if we want to fulfill that plan that God designed us for, that we were perfectly made for, then we have to let God live in us. And then God will live through us. And then that scripture shows us just a brief insight in what happens when God lives through us. And this is what happens. When God lives through us, we gain inner strength. We gain inner strength. When God lives through us, we start to love like we've never loved before. When God lives through us, our character suddenly becomes strong. And it doesn't break at every problem that comes along. When God starts to live through us, then we start to gain understanding to this life. When God lives through us, we start to gain a full life. A life that is fulfilled. A life that is satisfied. And when God lives through us, He is able to accomplish far more than what you believe that you are competent to do. God has got big plans for you. And in John chapter 14, it says this. And this is something, I'll be honest, I read and I sometimes don't believe. I find this so hard to believe at times. But I know that Jesus says this. 
And if Jesus said it, it must be true. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father. Could you imagine doing greater works than what Jesus did? I mean, let's think about it. The Bible tells us that Jesus raised people from the dead. He turned water into wine. Some of you are like, yeah, right, rock on. He delivered people who were oppressed. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. The lame walked. People who had no hope suddenly found hope. People who were lost were suddenly found. He calmed the seas. He even walked on water. And Jesus says, if you do as I have commanded you to do, then you will do even greater works than these. I mean, come on. Imagine if suddenly we all went down to the Bush River. And we all started walking on water, you know, onto the Chesapeake Bay. And like, hey, I don't need to go through the harbor tunnel, you know. I'm like, I can walk straight through it. Could you imagine? I'll be honest, I can't imagine. (laughs) But God says greater works that you shall do. And God has a plan for your life that is so great, that is so incredible. And if you allow Christ to live in you, then Christ will live through. And you will do incredible things. Your place today is part of the family. Say welcome to the family today. Your place is a place of privilege. But that privilege means that there's some expectations and there's some responsibilities. And the responsibilities are this. That God wants to make you someone who is great. And your responsibility is just to let Christ live in you. Let's pray. God, this morning we thank you. Lord, that we were once outsiders. We were once aliens, God, to your family. But God, you came to this earth. You died a terrible death. And you purchased us. You adopted us. You brought us out, people that were orphans spiritually. And you brought us into your family and you sat us at your table. And you communicated with us. And you gave us the privilege of having your presence with us at all times. You gave us the privilege of not turning your face away. You gave us the privilege of of not having to wait for somebody to go into a tent once a year to make a sacrifice. But you gave us the privilege to be in our lives right now. Or that we would become everything that you have designed and purposed us to be. And we thank you for that today, God. We thank you for that.